Today, we're going to talk about what we call the omni-God. We're going to talk about three characteristics that God is all. And so when we hear that word omni, it should make us shudder when we think about God. It's such an amazing thing. We've talked about the infinite God, and, and the fact that God is infinite means that he can't be defined. You can't put God in a box. You can't hold him down. Uh, he is just so amazing. He's so infinite. It's, he's beyond description. And even though we have the word of God, I'm here to tell you that the word of God, even if it was filled up and every word was about God, uh, which it is, but it can't contain all that there is to know about God. There's, there's no way we could comprehend everything there is to know about God. We can only scratch the surface. I could preach a thousand sermons on God and barely scratch the surface of who he is. That's what a mighty God we serve. And so today we're going to talk about the omni-God and we're going to look at three characteristics that describe this omni-God and what it means for us as Christians today. So if you've got your Bibles, open up Psalm 147.5. We're going to kind of be all over the place, so if you want to turn, turn with me. Uh, I think it's important to have the Word of God in your hands. There's just something about, to me, having a copy of God's Word. Uh, but 147.5 is where we're going to start. And tonight, or today, we're going to talk about God's omniscience first. His omniscience. And what that simply means is that God knows everything. Now, I know as the kids, when we were growing up, we thought our parents knew everything. I know as you become a, a teenager or you get into college, you think Google knows everything. Uh, but I'm here to tell you that every one of them falls short when it comes to God. God literally knows everything. There is not a question that you can ask God that he can't answer. He knows it all. He doesn't have to seek counsel. He doesn't have to turn to somebody to get the answer. He knows it all. And he can instantly answer every question we have. Now, some of you might be saying, but wait a minute. He hasn't answered my question. Well, maybe it's because you're not asking the right question. And maybe it's because God wants to see how sincere you are about your question. But today I want you to understand that God is omniscient. And in Psalm 147, 5, it says this, Great is our Lord, and of great power, his understanding is infinite. His understanding is infinite. He understands everything. That is amazing when you think about that. God understands everything. Now, I thought it was funny when we were doing the way of the master. Does anybody remember the way of the master? Hopefully you do. When we were doing the way of the master, they had a little track in there, and it was a booklet. And it said, what every, everything a man has learned about a woman. You guys remember that track? And you open up the book, and it's blank. Blank. Can I tell you? God understands women. <laughs> Amen. Right. Some of y'all women are like, I can't believe he even said that. I told you, this is like foot and mouth, you know, just common. But you think about this. God understands his, his wisdom is infinite. His understanding is infinite. There's absolutely nothing that God can't answer. Nothing that God doesn't understand. God understands your pain. He understands what you're going through. He understands everything that's going on, even in the world. He understands why the media does what it does. He understands why viruses are happening the way they're happening. He understands everything that's going on. And I promise you, God has a perfect plan that's weaving it all together. 
Now, we sit back sometimes, we go, I don't understand. That's because you're not God. You don't have all wisdom. You don't have all understanding, but God has a plan. It's nothing that's going on. It's outside of his control. He knows what he's doing. Now, here's the amazing thing. When we talk about God's omniscience, we need to understand a few things. One, God knows himself completely. That's right. God knows himself completely. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11. If you want to flip over there, I told you we're going to be flipping a lot. But 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11, it says this. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. In other words, God knows himself. If you want knowledge of God, seek it from God. If you want to know wisdom from God, seek wisdom from God. God knows himself well. Now you say, well, shouldn't everybody know themselves completely? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you understand why you do the things that you do sometimes? Isn't it amazing? There are times we do something, we go, I don't know why I just did that. Or I don't know why I just said that. Let me tell you something. God knows himself completely. He knows why he says what he says. He knows why he does what he does. And he is never at a loss. Our God knows himself completely. Not only does God know himself completely, God even knows the creation completely. If you want to look at Hebrews 4 and verse 13, it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God knows his, comp- his creation completely. He knows every animal by name. He knows every star. He understands why the moon rises and sets. He understands why the sun rises and sets. He knows everything that's going on, every astrological star. He knows every galaxy. He knows all of creation completely. Not only does he know creation completely, but he even knows your future God even knows your future. Listen to Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. He knows the end from the beginning. Now, Let's get into a question that that brings up. I know a lot of people say, well, if God knows it, then that means he makes it happen. No, 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 no. There's a difference in knowing something and making it happen. God just knows you well enough. He knows your future well enough. He knows all things that are going on. It doesn't mean he makes them occur. God simply knows you that well. The amazing thing when you think about that, I would tell you this. If you had somebody come to your house and they put a gun to your head and you knew that they were going to pull the trigger, just because you knew they were going to pull the trigger doesn't mean you made it happen. Just because God knows it doesn't make it so. It just he knows what you and your free will and choices will make and do. But not only that, God knows you completely. Turn with me to Psalm 139. You'll want to see this. There's three things that we'll learn from this one. Five total, but three out of Psalm 139. God knows you completely. Here's the amazing thing. God knows your thoughts. Psalm 139, 1 and 2. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my sitting down, my rising up, and understandest my thought afar off. God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus was on earth, he didn't have to ask men what they were doing. He already knew what they were thinking. 
God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. Here's the thing. There are a lot of times, how many of you have ever had conversations and you're talking with somebody, but you're thinking something completely different than what you're saying? Some of y'all probably don't want to admit that. But you think about it. How many of you have ever sat there and you thought to yourself, why am I even explaining this to them? They're not going to get it. You ever thought about that? Why, why am I talking to this person? They're like a brick wall. They're not listening anyways. Sometimes we think things that we're not saying and we don't say our thoughts, always say our thoughts. It's good that some of you keep your thoughts to yourself. But I just want you to know God knows your thoughts. God knows what you're thinking. It's not like you could get by if you were talking to God. And like when we pray sometimes, we try to say, well, God, I, I meant to do this. God already knows what you meant to do. God already knows what you meant to say. God knows your thoughts. You can't fool God. You can't speak with your mouth and think something different and God not know what's going on within you. God knows your thoughts. Not only does he know your thoughts, he even knows what you're going to say. Look at verse 4. For there's not a word on my t- in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. God even knows what you're going to say before you say it. Isn't that amazing that God has the knowledge enough to know what you're going to say before you even speak it? He may even know, what, he knows what you're going to say before, long before you even think about what you're going to say. God knows you that well. Not only that, but he even knows your days. Look at verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect. And in that book, all my members were written, which in constituents were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Can I tell you something? You will not die until God says so. That ought to give you joy to realize that nothing and no one can take you out except God. You say, well, wait a minute. There are people losing their lives because of the virus. It was their time. There are people who are losing their lives over, over diseases. It was their time. God knows your time. Here's the thing. None of us are guaranteed another day. God knows every day that we're given. That should not make us upset or bothered. God knows our beginning. God knows our end. God knows what goes in between. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we're going to say. That's the God we serve. Nothing takes him by surprise. If you get sick, it's not like God goes, oh, I forgot about that one. He knows it. That's how knowledgeable our God is. He knows all things. He even knows your needs before you pray for him. Matthew 6, 8 tells us that. God says, I know what you need before you ask. And I love this one in Matthew 10, and for some of us, it's easier. But God even says he knows the hairs on your head. That's how much God knows you. He knows everything about you. So here's the thing. When I think about God's omniscience, a lot of people say, well, what does that mean for me as a Christian? Why, do I, why should I care that God knows everything? Here's what should make you care. God knows the best plan for your life. God knows what you need to be doing. God knows where you need to be going. God has every answer to every question you have. You can't outsmart God. You can't outthink God. He knows everything, and he can guide and direct your life a whole lot better than you can. That's why God's omniscience is so important for me as a Christian, because I know that if I seek the will of God, he knows the steps that I need to take, where I need to go, what I need to say, what I need to do. And if I'm following in the spirit of God and doing the will of God, I know I'm on the right track and God's got the best things in store for me. That's the omniscient God we serve. I love in the book of Isaiah he tells us a couple things in the book of Isaiah that just are amazing, that make you really understand the vastness of God's knowledge. Isaiah 40, verses 13 and 14. 
who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? But also in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are a lot of times that people will question God. And they're not questioning him because they really want an answer. They're questioning God because they question why he allows things to happen. But I want to tell you something. Stop asking God why and start asking God, what are you trying to teach me through this? He, I promise you he'll answer that question. Because he's trying to teach you something. And here's the thing. If you run from the problem the first time, you'll meet the problem again. Because he's trying to teach you something valuable that he needs to see in your life. Stop asking him why and ask him, what am I supposed to learn from this? Because I promise you, my God will teach you what you need to know. Our God is omniscient. Number two, our God is omnipotent. Look with me in Revelation 19 and verse 6. Don't you just love the book of Revelation? There's so much beauty packed into this book. Revelation 19 and verse 6 just flat out tells us how omnipotent. Omnipotent simply means that God has all the power. There's nothing stronger than God. Listen to Revelation 19 and verse 6. It says, And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. If someone is all-powerful, that means they have all control. Now, it's interesting because there's a philosophy out there that believes that good and evil coexist with one another. Can I just explain something to you? Evil loses in the end. In fact, the truth of the matter is, is evil is losing even right now. Because every time someone gives their life to Jesus Christ, evil loses another victim. Every time God is wistfully whisking them away, the book of Jude tells us that we're to drag them out of the fire. And so we understand that God reigns and he rules, he's in control, and nobody, get this, no one can stop God. No one. But look at some of these things that that means for us today. Number one, it tells us that God has complete power. Complete and absolute power. Genesis 17 and verse 1 says when Abraham or Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the almighty God. What a name. I am almighty God. In other words, I have complete power. Here's the amazing thing when you think about this. We love power, don't we? Aren't you glad that today we've got lights on and the air conditions running? And we're thankful for these things. You know, over in Afghanistan, they're just thankful that they have a place to worship even if they lose their lives right now. We make it so comfortable in America for church. We got lights, we got power, we've got air conditioning, we got all kinds of things, we got running water, we got all these things, all these frills. But here's the thing about power our power for this church has to be drawn from the power company. And the power company has to draw its power from some other source. It has to constantly be fed in as it feeds out. God is a source that never runs out of power. He's a source that never has to be recharged. He's a source that never gets drained. I love it in the book of 1 Kings where Elijah is standing up to the prophets of Baal. And he said, what, is your God on vacation? Is your God sleeping? Is your God inconvenienced? He says, mine ain't. 
Mine's always available. Mine's always ready. Mine never gets tired. Mine never goes on vacation. Mine never shies away from being there for us. Let me tell you something. God is all powerful and he never, ever runs out of power. But not only is he in complete power, nothing is too hard for our God. In Genesis 18 and verse 14, it says this, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Understand, Sarah was concerned. Abraham was concerned. They didn't have the child yet. And so when they came to him and they said, you know, Sarah was 89 years old, going to be 90. He was 99, getting ready to turn 100. And God goes, you're going to have a kid. Now, could you imagine any of you ladies in here, 89, 90 years old, and God saying, you're going to be pregnant? Any of y'all be excited about that? Probably not. 89, 90 years old, and God comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby. And she goes, that's impossible. That's too hard. And then God goes, is anything too hard for the Lord? There's absolutely nothing too hard for God. Now, I want you to understand there's a difference in being hard and being impossible because our God can do the impossible as well. We've, we've lost sight of what the word impossible means, and we've also dumbed down miracle. You realize what impossible means. Impossible means there is no possibility of it happening within the confines of nature. It cannot happen. It has to be supernatural. It has to come from God and God alone. There's no way it can be done. If it's impossible, it is confined by the bounds of nature, and the only way it can happen is to go against nature. Jesus did that multiple times when he made the blind to see without sending them to an eye doctor. He put mud on one guy's eyes. He made spit. He spit on the ground, made mud, put it in the guy's eyes, told him to go wash in a pool. And when he washed it out, he walked away, seeing. And let me tell you something. That's not the most amazing one. The most amazing one is when he's in John chapter 11 and he goes to a dead man's tomb by the name of Lazarus who's been dead for four days. And you say, well, why is that important? Because at four days, the body begins to decay back then. It begins to stink back then. And he goes to the tomb and he goes, Lazarus, come forth. Now, nobody was expecting really anything, but all of a sudden you see this mummified body because they had wrapped him. They had wrapped him up as they did everybody, and he comes out in this mummified form, and they take all the stuff off of him, and there he is alive. My God can do the impossible. He can even raise the dead. But when you think about this, the Bible tells us so many times that God can do the impossible. You may say, well, that's the God of the Bible. What about today? My God is still doing miracles today. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. This is one that my wife just quoted earlier. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in him. God can do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or think. I'm going to tell you, I can think about some pretty big things. I can dream some pretty big dreams. But to think that God's power can supersede any dream I've got, that God can do above and beyond anything I can think about, that is a powerful God. Nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. Luke 137, one of my favorite stories, is when Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And she looks at the angel and she goes, this is impossible for I have not known a man. She said, by nature, by natural facts, there's no way I can be pregnant. Absolutely impossible. And God goes, oh, I got a way. And I'm going to tell you why. You may think, well, why is the virgin birth important? 
Because the virgin birth proves his sinlessness. It proves he was without sin. It proves that he could live without sin. And it proved that he could be the payment for your sin. That's why the virgin birth is important. It was impossible with man, but not with God. It's funny when the rich man came to Jesus and he began to talk to him. And he shared with him. And he said, hey, look. He said, uh, I want to, what, what do I need to do to be saved? And he tells him the, several of the commandments. And he goes, I've done all those. He goes, well, then go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And it said the rich man walked away shamefully. And the disciples probably had this question pondered on their mind because they believed that God had blessed him. And because God had blessed him, he obviously had to be a child of God. But Jesus told him, he said, man, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But all things are possible with God. All things are possible. In other words, God can supersede nature anytime he wants to. And he did that in particular when he died on the cross for your sins and mine. Naturally, we should pay for our sins, but Jesus took our place that we might be free. That is the omnipotent God that we worship. Here's the thing. You may say, well, I don't worship him. Well, let me just tell you something. You will one day. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's coming a day when every person in hell and every person in heaven and every person on earth is going to bow down to Jesus and declare he's Lord. But can I tell you something? For those that are on earth that had not declared him as Lord and for those that are in hell that had not declared him as Lord with their final breath, they will find themselves in the lake of fire for all of eternity. Only those in heaven and those on earth that have pledged their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life before this moment will be saved. But there's coming a point where those that say, well, I don't believe in Jesus and I don't believe in your God. and I don't, You're going to bow one day whether you want to or not. You're going to face him one day. You're going to face him in judgment one day. And you think you may have words to say, but I promise you, you won't say anything. You won't be able to because of how holy he is. My God is omnipotent. He has all power. He's omniscient. And lastly, we're going to talk about is our God is omnipresent. Our God is omnipresent. That means God is everywhere at all times. How many, how many of you have ever heard it when they go into church? And I hear this verse used all the time and it's misused so poorly. Where two or three are gathered in his name, I'm there in their midst. Can I tell you something? When you're by yourself, he's there with you. He's everywhere. You can't get away from his presence. You say, well, I turn off the lights. He can see in the dark. I do it in my closet. He can get in there too. There's nowhere you can go. God has always been present everywhere. You say, well, wait a minute. You think about this. We know this because from the beginning, in Genesis 1-1, it says in the beginning was what? God created the heavens and the earth. The question is, is before the heavens and the earth, where was God? Well, he was everywhere. And God created, and I love it when I was a little kid, we used to sing this song. He's got the whole world in his hands. If he's got the whole world in his hands, his gaze is everywhere too on the world. He sees it all. You can't get away from God. God is, the amazing thing about this is that God is near. Some people have this mindset that God just wound up the world and he left it. But the Bible makes it very clear. In Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24, he's near. Listen to this. It says, I'm the God at hand saith the Lord, and not a God afar off. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord. 
Now, please understand, it's not this new age belief that God is in everything. God's not in this podium. He's not in this stage. He's not in these chairs. He's not in these pews. That's the new age philosophy that God is in everything. No, God is present. You remember when your mama used to say, I got eyes in the back of my head? He does. Remember when your mama said, I know everything that you do? He does. Mama's good, but she ain't that good. He knows it all. He sees it all. He's present everywhere. So when we use the phrase, and I hear people say this all the time, God has forsaken me. He can't. He can't. Not only because of the promise he makes, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but he's present everywhere, so he is always there wherever you're at. You may not see him, but that's because you got sin in your life. But he's present everywhere. I love this. You can't hide from God. We talk about that all the time, but in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10, listen to this. It says, whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uppermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Jonah thought, if I just get far away from where God's sending me, if I get over there to Tarshish, God will leave me alone. God followed him all the way in the sea. Because he's there. He's always present. I remember a mother one time was trying to teach her sons this. She said, you know what? I may not be able to see everything. And so she was trying to teach her sons that God sees everything. And so what she did was she she cut out paper eyes. And she taped them all over the entire house. In the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the shower. She taped them everywhere in their closet. They said when they walked in from school one day, all they saw were paper eyeballs all over the house. And she said, I'm just trying to teach you God sees everything. Whereas you may not see him, he sees you. And he sees everything you do. So it's important to have integrity in your heart because God sees what you're doing in private as well. God sees it all. You can't hide. And I love this. I'm going to end with this scripture in Genesis 16 and verse 13 where Hagar makes a statement about God. When she felt alone, she felt abandoned. But God spoke to her and she said this in verse 13 of Genesis 16. She called the name of the Lord that spoke unto her. Thou God seest me. For she said, have I also here looked after him that seeth me? He is the God who sees. Because he's everywhere. You can't hide from God. You can't, here's the thing, you can't hide your thoughts from God. You can't hide your words from God. You can't hide your actions from God. You can't hide your motives from God. You can't hide from God at all. And here's the thing. You can make all the excuses in the world for the things that you do, but God can see even beyond your excuses. He's the God who sees. You say, well, what does this have to do with me? Why why is it important that we understand the omni-God? For three reasons. Number one, we understand that God knows everything, and therefore he's the best one for you to learn from, And understand what he wants you to do for your life. That's why he's omniscient. The best path you could ever choose is the path that he'll lead you on. I promise you he'll never steer you in the wrong direction. Our God is omnipotent. What does that have to do with me? I don't fear anything. Now you're going to say, wait a minute, Brother John. You told us before you fear snakes. 
Can I tell you something? Knowing that my God is omnipotent has even helped me cancel my fear of snakes. I don't have to fear anything. You know why? Because when it's my time, it's my time. When it's time for me to go, God knows that. But not only that, my God can keep everything from happening until it's time for it to happen. And so I understand God is in control and I don't have anything to worry about. Because I'm not in control anyways. Isn't it interesting? You'll see those bumper stickers that said, God is my co-pilot. He's not my co-pilot. God is my pilot. And I'm not even a backseat driver. I'm just here for the ride. The problem is, is too many of us treat God like we're the backseat drivers and we're telling him how to drive, telling him what to do. My God's omnipotent. He knows what he's doing and he's got the power to control it. And finally, my God is omnipresent. Here's the truth. I can't run from God, nor do I want to. You can try so hard. You're here at church for a reason. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're here this morning for a reason. You didn't, you didn't just happen to pop in here. God had a reason for you to be here. You're here because he wanted you to be here. He wanted you to hear this message because he wants you to know no matter how far you try to get away from him, you can't. And as Christians, a lot of times we try to run from God by the sins that we commit, by the things that we do. You can't get away from him. Like a loving father, he's sitting on the front porch just like waiting on the prodigal son. He's waiting with arms open wide ready to receive you. That's the God we serve. He's omnipresent. He's always available. The moment you turn around, there he is with arms open wide. You don't have to go very far. You just have to turn around. That's what this omni-God means to me. I'm here to tell you, there is nobody like God. So when we worship like we did this morning, I promise you that blesses him. It glorifies him. Why? Because we recognize what a mighty God we serve. And he deserves all the praise and all the honor and all the glory.